Welcome to Messengers of Christ, Bruce. I'm happy to have you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So let's get into it. So, of course, first I'm going to ask you of your testimony. How did Jesus, like, really change your life? Well, in so many ways, it's hard to describe. But, um, well, I grew up in a, in a large family. I had five sisters, um, no brothers. So I was the only, only boy. Um, and we grew up with a lot of... Um, abuse, physical and verbal abuse as, as kids, me and my sisters. And um, so I, I got the idea that I was kind of defective and worthless um, and, um, you know, useless, as a matter of fact, and, and hopeless. So I turned to drugs and alcohol um, to for comfort, too, because I didn't like the way I felt. So I wanted to change the way I felt. And I know the first time I drank, it made me feel... Um, it made me feel better. It made me f- forget about the, the parts about me that I didn't like. Um, and then, so that moved on because it worked. Um, I actually started with food first. Food was probably my first comfort and then drugs and alcohol and pornography that also joined in there. Um, and I was doing, living that lifestyle into my thirties. Um, and then I went into a program in 1990 I went into a program called Project 90. It's a men's program, a 90-day program. And so I did that. And I, I was so broken at that point. I wanted to, I wanted something to change. And so I went in this program and did everything they said. Um, and, of course, they, they uh, recommend the 12 Steps of Recovery, um, the AA, um, Alcoholics Anonymous, um, 12 Steps. And so when you're in the program, they run you through, through the first three steps, which is uh, admitting you're powerless over your addiction and that your life is unmanageable. Two is came to believe a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. And that's where I was a little stuck because, because the God thing, um, I was brought up Catholic as a kid and we were, we were made to go to church. And um, the funny thing is the whole time I was at, at, in church, I never really heard the gospel. Uh, although I went to church for, you know, catechism and all these other things. Maybe I didn't listen. I don't know. But anyway, so um, that was a sticking point for me um, because um, when I got old enough, I decided I'm not going to be go to church anymore. Um, but then, of course, my, my life got really bad. <laughs> so. Uh, so I went to this program and I just said, you know what, I'm willing to do anything. And um, these other people told me, you know, you just have to have a little concept of God or a little belief um, to start this. And then the third step is made a decision to turn your will and your lives over to the care of God. Um, and, um, and I did that to the best of my ability. And so finally, I was at the end of myself um, in uh, 2003. And um, I was asked some guy to be my sponsor who happened to go to PBC and um, he invited me to the life recovery Bible study that they had. And I was like, I would, you know, I really, because he was talking about Jesus. And, and I was like, I don't want anything to do with that, you know, because um, I always thought, you know, people that believed in Jesus were, were uh, strange people, weird people, you know. <laughs> of course, now I'm one of them. So I guess I'm a weird person now. Um, but um, so I came to the Bible study. And I, and I told myself that, you know, if this, I'm going to go, I'm going to add an open mind. I wanted the, I wanted my life back. I wanted to be clean and sober. And so um, I went to this cause he invited me uh, to the Bible study and I went in there and it was um, people just like me struggling 
to fight, to figure out what life is about and uh, trying to stay sober, you know? And um, so I started, I was back in 2003 and um, come, come to find out that uh, my sister had gone to PBC before I ever even knew about PBC. Um, and, you know, she was a Christian and, you know, I didn't understand it. I, I was kind of like, okay, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat, sister, you know, if you want to do that Jesus thing, that's fine. Um, but turns out that she was married by one of the old pastors at PBC, uh, Ron Ritchie. Um, and when I was in jail at the time, uh, when she got married, so I didn't even know, but here's the thing is that the people from PBC were praying for me even before I knew there was a PBC, right? Cause my sister was, you know, praying for me and having people at PBC pray for me. So I ended up in the same church that was praying for me for who knows how many years. Um, and uh, so at that point, when they started, R&R &R started right around that time. Um, if you don't know what R&R, &R, it's a Friday night outreach we do. It's called R&R uh, &R Recovery and Renewal. And it's an outreach to people in, re in recovery from various addictions. And so I showed up there 2003, pretty hopeless, helpless, and um, I just started going. And I, and I felt like there's something about R&R &R where, you, where uh, I felt like I really belonged to somewhere for the first time in my life. And, you know, even though it was, it was a, uh, a recovery thing, um, it was, it was, I mean, the first time I walked in was, I felt like I was at home and I, and I belonged there. I want to ask you, was there one point where just everything hits you and yeah, everything hits you. And then you started really becoming um, into the Christian life. So back in 2003, when I started uh, at PBC, it was I believe 2004 Easter was coming up and they were going to have a baptism at PBC. And so I was asking pastor Andy, I go, you know, I think I want to do this, but you know, I don't know if I'm really ready. And so he kind of gave me some, you know, told me what baptism was about, um, to pray about it. And, um, and I didn't want to wait. So I was said, you know what, I want to do it. And so we got, uh, they had, well, you know, the baptismal they have now, it's a pretty sturdy one. Well, the one before was like, what are those ones you, you know, when your kids you make, you know, and it, it was a, it was about three feet high and, you know, and there was, um, I think about 12 to 15 of us getting baptized that day, uh, in the center courtyard. And, uh, of course, they had to get another guy in there to because I'm a big guy <laughs> to to be able to pick me back up out of the water, and so we kept going. You know, a bunch of people getting getting baptized, stepping over the side of the thing, and right towards the end, the um, baptismals collapsed and just flooded everybody's feet. All the water just went and soaked everybody's feet right there. So um, the reason I say that is because it um, it should have been kind of a, a, a a sign of what was about to happen. And so I got baptized. And then at that point, I, um, two weeks later, I was living with my sister and brother-in-law. I, I went out on the worst um, drug and alcohol binge I ever did the whole time. I, um, and so I was stayed in hotels for um, like three months straight in a hotel. And the only people that I saw for those three months was I saw no family. The only one I saw was the drug dealer, the liquor store, um, the attendant and, uh, the hotel people when I, you know, I paid like a month at a time. So 
and during that three months, I was, I actually wanted to kill myself and I was going to kill myself. I was planning to kill myself, but I was too scared to, I, I, you know, I couldn't, my logic was, okay, why would I kill myself if I still have money? So let me finish using all my money up. Then I'll kill myself. And then I ran out of money and I hadn't killed myself. So I didn't know what I was going to do at that point. I know it's, I'm laughing about it, but um, it was very serious, but um, I, I, I didn't know how to live. I was too scared to live, but I was too scared to kill myself at the same time. So I was stuck right in the middle, a really, really hard place to be. There's a saying they say in recovery, um, which they call incomprehensible demoralization. It means that, you know, you feel worse than you could possibly ever imagine. And so after three months, I was, um, I hadn't killed myself. And I said, okay, let me call my mother and see if she'd let me come and stay with her. And so I called her and she let me come and stay with her for a while. And I, and I haven't took a drink or, or drugs since that day. Um, I'd like to say everything was cleaned up at the same time. Took a couple of years before God took away the pornography as well, which was also a really big struggle. But I would say that that, that, um, that three months was necessary when I look back on it, because when I got baptized, I, I was not quite at the end of myself. And, and I think there was still some part of me that thought I could control this or handle life. Um, and it wasn't true. So I, I, I got to the, to the realization that, you know what, God, I can't, there's nothing I can do here to make my life better. Only you can do it. And so that's, that I would say was the, the changing. That was the part that really did it where I was so broken and, um, and I completely surrendered and he's, the rest is history. <laughs> yeah. yeah. At that point, I, uh, I had started to pursue a stand-up comedy career. Um, and, uh, I did that for about three and a half years. But this was right around the time when I, you know, a little bit after I came to PBC, started doing that on a regular basis. And, um, so at some point, um, I was being discipled by one of the elders at PBC and um, in a men's discipleship group. And I remember I invited them to one of my shows. And um, the thing about the comedy world, there's a lot of really dirty, foul mouth people <laughs> that are doing comedy, you know. But I was the only, I had dedicated myself to doing clean comedy. So I'm in this, um, so I started doing that. And, uh, and then one day I just had a really bad experience and I realized that, you know, this wasn't what I, God wanted me to do. Um, my motive for it was to be known, liked, loved, um, admired, all that kind of stuff. And um, so, you know, finally God got his message, got through to me and I stopped doing it. Um, and then I really poured myself into the recovery ministry, being volunteering in various ways. I've done everything in the recovery ministry from greeting people at the door to setting up chairs, to hosting the meetings, to uh, speaking at the meetings. Um, and then, you know, and then I became the recovery uh, director in 2018. And um, so I, I would say that through my serving others and um, just really having a purpose in my life, serving others, helping others, to overcome what I've overcome um, has been a real blessing in my life. And so uh, I ended up uh, being the recovery director in 2018. And then I came on as the pastor in February of this year. 
um, because I was under uh, Andy Burnham, who was the recovery pastor for, uh, I think, maybe 15 years or something like that. I don't remember how many years, but um, I was, you know, kind of under him, um, just learning from him and um, being part of the ministry. And um, and then when I was the director, I was kind of his assistant. And um, it's been a great thing. Here's the thing. Okay. So the, the very ministry that helped save my life, I am now the pastor of. And so if that isn't a testimony to God's um, um, life-changing ways, um, there isn't. Put it this way, when I look at the man in the mirror um, that I see looking back at me is not the same man that came into PBC back in 2003. Um, and I've been part of the internship uh, at PBC and I've been mentored by, I don't know, five or six different men and women um, of PBC. And I've learned that, um, that in order for me to grow um, into the person that these people have become, I have to learn from them and I have to listen to them. And um, I'm, a, I'm a very independent kind of person. I'm, and I think most of us are, right? That's, that's our problem. So we want to be our own gods. And when I was my own God, my kingdom was <laughs> in ruins, right? And so uh, now that uh, my father is um, the God in heaven, um, the creator of the universe, um, it's, it's a lot less pressure. And, um, and I never want to be the God of my life again <laughs> because it'll just be in ruins again, you know? So. Yeah, you must build our life on solid rock. Which there is you go. There God. you go. And um, not rely on our understanding so yeah it just shows that no matter what background you have god is actively still seeking to have fellowship with you amen amen um and i think that alcohol and drugs are just short-term empty pleasures that just make people feel empty and have no purpose um yeah so i want to ask you what do you think our purpose on earth is, you know, in Ecclesiastes, it says all is vanity and we're just going to disappear from this earth one day. So what would you say would be our purpose as Christians? Well, first I would say as far as vanity, that that's, um, uh, it's true if you're not in Christ, right? It's that, I mean, because I thought this was the only life there was and there was nothing else. So I need to get everything I can now. So, I would say at this point, um, I believe that my purpose is, is to glorify God. But how I do that is by showing other people how God has changed my life, has redeemed me. Um, you know, I've been redeemed. That's, that's the part. And so my purpose in life is to show other people that they're redeemable. Um, cause I didn't feel very redeemable, but, but, um, I, I, I feel redeemed now and I want to pass that on to people because it's a really hard place to be. Um, so the purpose is to show others what God has shown me. That's, I believe my purpose. Wow. That is great. And Jeremiah 29 11, God has a plan for every one of us. And I'm happy that you're living out your plan and doing his will in your life. Oh, thank you. I, I, you know, I'll tell you, I never really had a real life until Christ and until Jesus came into my heart. 
Um, I tried to make life and it never happened, but the, the rub is you have to give away your life to get life. And um, as I've given my life away, I got a life and I couldn't ask for a better life than I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. We must give away our, what our flesh wants, our flesh's passions and desires and with the worldly ways to truly submit ourselves to the Christian life. It's funny you say that because I'm, I'm actually going to be teaching on second or first Peter tomorrow. First uh, Peter, and it talks about that, about, um, um, oh, about, you know, your, it says here, uh, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's yeah. tremendous. Yeah, it is. So I, I know better now. And so thing is that now that we know this, we shouldn't waste it on living out of our flesh because you can, you know, you can be a believer and saved, but you can live a carnal life. You can live a fleshly life. Um, and, um, but you lose so much. There's so much to gain by um, not living out of your old desires, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the more sins, the more you give into your fleshy desires, the more it separates you from God because he has zero sins. But as you give in, you don't want to turn to him because like, you know, it's wrong and you feel really guilty and ashamed. So yeah. it gets you farther from God. That's right. That's one of the, that's one of the things that um, is very prevalent along, among uh, people in recovery um, that, um, um, how did you just say it? You said, um, uh, shoot, the, more you, the more you sin, the more you give in to your flesh's desires, the more you give in to worldly desires, the farther you distance yourself from God. Yes, yes. Oh, that was going to say, you said the guilt and shame. That was it. I'm sorry. Right. Um, most people in recovery are full of guilt and shame. And actually, I, I don't even think it's just people in recovery. I think all sinners have it. And it's just, I think recovery people have, you know, a, a, I don't know. It's harder to, to, to cover that up when you're an addict and alcohol because it's out there for everybody to see because you're going to jail, you're getting arrested. Um, you know, you're not making it to work because you're drugs, you're out of money don't have a place to live, all those things. So it's real obvious. But when, when you have all those things, the house and the thing, and, and you don't have a drug addiction, there's other things that people don't see. Right. And so as see, addicts and alcoholics, I think we're blessed that it does because it, it's obvious, right. to everyone that there's a problem, but when you don't have that, everyone has some guilt and shame that, that we do a good job uh, or we do a lot of work at hiding, um, you know, most people. Um, yeah, a lot of us have secret sin, which is only right. kept us, but Jesus sees everything. And that's right. That's right. Yeah. So like I said, if you have something like addicts and alcoholics, and I heard somebody say it a long time ago that, you know, he was like grateful for his addiction. I'm like, you're, I thought, you're crazy. What are you talking about? But I understand it now because it drove me to God. Um, if things had worked, you know, if I was able to manage things and not be an addict and have a house and all the, and all the things that, you know, everybody wants, um, I may not have reached out to the Lord, but I reached out to him because I was desperate and full of shame and guilt. And I didn't want to live that way anymore. So. Yeah. That's great. 
Um, yeah. Uh, anything else to say? Final words? No, no, I don't think so. I'm, I've just, you know, asked for prayer that as this new role as a pastor, because I be quite honest with you. Um, I don't know that any pastor really knows what they're doing. <laughs> I mean, that's the, where the strength comes from by, by admitting that we don't have what it takes, but God has what it takes if we allow him to do it through us. I would say that's the most important thing in my life is that um, I need to allow God to do, to direct everything. Um, yeah. Allow the Holy Spirit to talk through you. And yeah, the yeah. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and one more thing. Uh, I would recommend read the everyone read the Bible because reading the Bible really gives you incentive and motivation to not want to sin. Because the more you, oh yeah, I have this good analogy. The more you read the Bible, the more you don't want to sin. The more you sin, the more you don't want to. Um, yeah, yeah, read the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you, I. Um, as you know, I've been a believer for what, 17 years almost now. And, um, I've just scratched the surface on, on the Bible and, you know, you can read it, but I think it's also important that you kind of go deeper than, than just reading it. Right. To actually, cause you can get some tools to figure out what the original language was, because, you know, the biggest thing is people are saying that, well, man wrote the Bible and it's, it's you know, has full of errors. But if you go back to the original language and, and really look at it deeper, you'll find stuff. It, it's almost like um, like digging for gold and finding a little nugget, you know. And when you're reading the Bible, you find a little nugget. You're like, oh, my goodness, look at this. And you want to dig more. And you dig more and you find a bigger nugget. And um, it's just it never stops and you keep reading it. You keep finding new things. Um, and yeah, it is, it is definitely a living organism, the word of God. There's no doubt about that in my mind. Yeah. Amen. Uh, that's wrap it up. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. This was a, this, a, uh, like I said, it was a big honor, Joshua. And um, I hope that you, uh, this becomes a real um, blessing to you doing what you're doing. I appreciate it. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.